Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by local entrepreneur Danny O'Donovan of QuickMinutes.com. QuickMinutes is a specialized meeting management application that streamlines the administrative process in running a meeting. Welcome back to the Two Norries podcast. My name is Timmy and this is James. We just want to thank James for his story last week. It was a uh, fantastic story and it took a lot of courage and, and uh, bravery to speak about. Thanks to everybody um, for their comments as well and the support. Yeah. And uh, this week, he's going to continue that story and talk about how he got well and his journey on education. So, James, well, Tim, take it over. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for the lovely introduction. You're welcome. Uh, another week, another podcast yeah. continues to grow. You know, it's been great so far. Um, I suppose towards the end of the last episode, um, I was speaking about how the using kind of came to a head, you know. Um, and that kind of rock bottom moment mm-hmm. where, you know, the, the overdoses and the interventions and stuff. So um, if I can pick it up from there. Okay. When I got into St. Francis Farm, um, it was in a farm in Tullow in County Carlow. And uh, in the years, I'd say a couple of years leading up to that, I'd been sleeping on friends' couches and different places. I remember I was sleeping in garden sheds and mm-hmm. sleeping rough as well. But uh, I remember when I went into the St. Francis Farm, I had my own room mm-hmm. and uh, it was a beautiful building and a beautiful farm mm-hmm. in the summer. It was June. And I remember, you know, keying out the door, locking the door behind me, putting my clothes into a wardrobe, bearing in mind I was living out of a black bag for so long, mm. having a shower and just lying down on the bed and an overwhelming sense of security that was like, for the first time in years, my basic needs were being met. Yeah. And I knew where I was going to be sleeping. I knew I was safe. I was going to be fed. And, you know, it was just a very overwhelming feeling mm-hmm. of gratitude. And I remember thinking to myself, even though I was very messed up, I'm not going back to where I just came from. Yeah. Do you know? Um, I like, it's just such a desperate situation where I came from, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Suicidal ideations and overdose. So negative to be in a place now where I had my own room and mm-hmm. it was just like immense sense of uh, gratitude. 
but a lot, a lot of work ahead of me, you know. Mm-hmm. It was an eight week detox, methadone and Valium. Um, but I found it easy, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. I was just so grateful. Yeah. To be like yeah. I like, I I've been through treatment centres before and detoxes, cold turkey, stuff like that. I was expecting something gonna to be tough, you know. But it wasn't to me. Mm-hmm. And it was I didn't so anything could have happened to me up there, but you know, I was just so grateful to be in there. I actually visited that place. I visited a family member up there. And, yeah. And I, uh, the layout of the place I thought was fantastic. It was a beautiful place as well. We yeah. went on a little tour around there with the kids and stuff. And uh, they had some fantastic gardens and fruit and veg patches and all that. And I yeah. can understand now why you felt at home, yeah. you know, and how much gratitude you felt from yeah. just being away from the madness of the old life and yeah. out of that environment where you could just start fresh. I understand that completely, yeah. you know. Um, but in previous times where I'd be in prison and in treatment centres, I always viewed that as respite. Yeah. Like, there was times where prison saved me from death. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I'd be so bad, I'd go into court, the judge give me six months or ten months or whatever. It's two months sometimes just be enough time to regenerate mm-hmm. but it was always seen as respite to get out and use again this time was different this time was this was up this wasn't respite for me it was like rebirth mm-hmm. it was like you're going to become a different person here james you're going to give it your all and um you know after the detox the eight week detox you're going to the residential treatment which is just it's in the same facility you know across the car park like 16 weeks in there Bearing in mind out to me where we're from, um, the facade, mm. you know, the... The grand house. Yeah, yeah, like you have a wall in front of you. There's mm-hmm. no emotions being shown. You deal with um, you deal with any disrespect or any adversity with confrontation, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, the same thing is in prison. It's the same bullshit, you know. So like you have, to, you have to kind of leave off the impression that you're a hard man and you're this yeah. and that and the other. You know, prison and the street is the same. Mm. And that's why I found it so easy in both areas. It was the same mm. front. I went into the treatment centre with all them street behaviours, street attitudes, street mentality. And I tell you now, I found it so difficult because I don't know if you, you, in the treatment centres you were in, but mm. ratting is a big thing, mm. you know. So like if you see me slipping back into all behaviours, you tell my counsellor and then he can flag it with me so yeah. we don't slip. But like to me, that's like one of the number one things you don't do up around here mm-hmm. is ratting somebody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But all that street mentality, you know, I dealing with people that I didn't really get on with in treatment, and just you know, anger issues, with frustration, and comfort. All these things, mm-hmm. like you know, was jeopardizing my yeah. chance to stay there because, it, like, when you're in the real world, you can't be dealing with people that you don't get on with mm-hmm. like that with for confrontation and anger and all this. So I had to do anger management up there and I had to, I had to do all this, these things and, you know, cognitive behavioural mm-hmm. therapy, change my thought patterns, look at my core beliefs. It sounds to me that you had an awful lot of awareness. You were able to grasp these things initially, you know, which is fantastic, you know. It just shows how much yeah. you wanted to get well, Yeah, you know. But I remember when I was in the residential gaff about six weeks, right? I didn't know my mouth now in the groups. And the sessions and stuff because 
Oh, I felt if I didn't say anything, he'd skip by me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> so he says to me after about five or six weeks, he says, James, he says, you're around here. He says, you're working, you're doing your thing, no trouble. You shouldn't be here at all. Mm-hmm. You've no issues. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. What are you doing here? And it was just about not leaving myself vulnerable in front of the group. I just I just found this all hard. He come to me, how, how are you doing, James? I'm grand, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I got away with that for about a month or two, a month or six weeks. But eventually they got stuck on me, do you know what I mean? And it was just about leaving yourself vulnerable in front of mm-hmm. a group. Do you know, I had a big issue with that. Mm-hmm. Like where we're from to me, it's not safe to do yeah. that. Like, yeah. Leave yourself yeah. vulnerable in front of a group and you may forget about mm-hmm. it because that's yeah, weakness. Hurts. You'll be, or else you just you have that fi- we it could be used against you yes and you might be hurt even more yeah you know but if you don't like he used to say to me leaving yourself vulnerable in front of people you know in a controlled group with therapists is a safe place to do he says it's a risk but it's a healthy risk and you know healthy risk taking has been a fact of life since mm-hmm. you know what I mean and by leaving yourself vulnerable in front of people talking about some issues that you have going on for you, it just helped me to open up more, um, became more open with the counsellor and, you know, it just really helped me. It was a very hard thing for mm. me to do initially. Once I once I learned to trust people that if I say stuff about, like if I lose the facade, mm-hmm. if I lose the facade and leave myself vulnerable, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to regret it. Yeah. I'm going to be accepted for who I am and there's going to be no judgment and no mm. shame. And it doesn't matter what I've done or who I am. I was going to be met every day by the counsellor, unconditional, positive regard. Like, they didn't care what I'd done. They just mm-hmm. wanted to help me. And they didn't, you know, and a lot of shame, a lot of guilt mm-hmm. was creeping up, a lot of hurt and sadness, anger, all this stuff. But it was a perfect environment for it to come up. So uh, you're, you're in the treatment centre now, right? You're doing everything you can. You're, you really, really want this, right? It's around this time people and your your family and friends see James doing his best. He's really, really making an effort at this. It's this time though people really start getting into your life. Mm. People that kind of just knew we can't do nothing for him. Like yeah. we have to leave him leave him off and he has to go through what he has to to, to to come out the other side, to hit his rock bottom. Because if we catch his hand, it's not gonna work. Yeah. And we both know that. Yeah. But if we leave him and leave him just Try, yeah, you know, it does work. So, tell us a bit about that. Did did things start changing in your life with your family and yeah. everybody? I was up there, I was in treatment about three months before mm. I even made a phone call. Okay. I was so anxious about fucking it up again, to me, to be honest yeah. with you. Like, even though I had enough and everything, I'd had enough before and I fucked it up. And I was, I just didn't want to put them through the, the, the mm. pain of it. I didn't want to make promises. I was sick of making promises and telling lies. So, I was just, I got up there myself. I was in there myself, I was doing it myself, do you know what I mean? I, I'd been distanced from the family for a long time. Like, there was times where I couldn't, I mightn't have contacted on my family for months. Mm-hmm. They, they wouldn't think that, but I was written off, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're, they're, my mum and father, my mother and father was waiting on the phone call from the, the priest or mm-hmm. the, 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 the guards or something. They were waiting on bad news all the time. Yeah. And a, a very anxious, anxious, fearful place to be mm-hmm. for them. But once I was in treatment, I did make phone calls a few months, as I said. There was a lot of guilt and shame mm. as well, you know. So I became more confident then. Mm. After the six weeks, seven week mark in the residential side of it, you know, began to believe that you know what, maybe I can do this. 
And I remember in the, the detox, there was people, you know, sometimes people come into treatment for the wrong reasons and they bring in drugs with them. There was drugs going around and I refused mm-hmm. them. And that was my first time refusing drugs for since I could remember. There was tablets going around. I didn't mm-hmm. want them. And that was a big moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. But literally one day Tim may walk up in treatment one day and the obsession to use was gone. It's That's like it. I woke up and I knew that it was done for me. Mm-hmm. I was there was no more obsession. There was drugs in the building, I didn't want them. Mm-hmm. I was done with it. I began to become more mature as a man then. Began to learn about my experiences. I began to accept my inadequacies that I don't have to be try to be anything I'm not. You mm-hmm. know, I can be soft, I can be quiet there's nothing wrong with that you know like them them things in prison and in where we're from is can be seen Mm -hmm. as kind of not great qualities to have Mm -hmm. because you have to be kind of tough and but i i just began to get some self-acceptance and then i began to challenge the core beliefs you know and my counselor used my thinking was very fucked up like yeah like what my idea of what a man was my idea of what we should be doing in life or what a normal life was it was very fucking ne- very negative. Apologies for the language. Yeah. But um it was very negative, like, you know, dissociating every occasion with a drink and a drug. Mm-hmm. You know, the negative attitude towards employment, you know, towards a lot of things, you know. To, to, towards uh, laws, you know. Exactly. Um and then people in authority and yeah. all these things. But I, I I began to learn up there that you know what? It was all fucking it was all bullshit to me. Mm-hmm. Like them attitudes and that negative mindset. Where did it ever get me? Mm-hmm. It got me nothing but overdoses, prison sentences, mm-hmm. misery, anxiety, beatings, fucking everything. Yeah. Last relationships. The whole lot got mm-hmm. me nowhere. And I just began to reject it all. Mm-hmm. And I came out of the treatment center with a new mindset, you know, mm-hmm. with a new, like, began to, I remember in, in my counselor, you know, I had this attitude around education. And employment and stuff, and you know, even like marriage and driving the car. I, I'd never thought any of that was there for me. Yeah. And I used to dismiss it when he used to bring it up, so that I wouldn't be able to do that. Oh, that's not. Mm-hmm. That's for other. He's yeah. began. Why? Why is enough for you? Why can't you go and get a good job? Why can't you go to college? Why can't you get married? Having like all these things. And like, I suppose those things aren't something we grew up with. Don't you know? Know. And like. Having a car at a young age, like all we knew was really, as you said last week, the if they were robbed, ago, it was about getting a trade. And exactly. that's a good thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but you got this mentality into your head, you know. There Maybe more, I can do this. There's more there for me. Yeah. Like, and he, you know? he drilled it into me like that. There's more, to, don't be limiting yourself at all, he said. If you want to do these things, when you get out of here, go and do them. If they're wasting enough time now in your teens and your 20s, Hit the ground running when you get out. Mm-hmm. When I was getting out, then it was anxiety because I was homeless. Yeah, and I rang the Simon community coming to the end of the treatment, and I was like, "Where the fuck am I supposed to go?" You know, so I was very lucky. They were opening up a sober house, which I got into. I was up in Wilton, which is in Southside, quiet area. Like, suited me grand away from my own area. You know, a lot of pairs in addiction still mm-hmm. that I had to stay away from, feeling of being disloyal. Do you know, feeling of abandoning them, feeling of who do you think you are, James? Yeah. Do you know, who do you think you are? All these grandiose ideas, you mm-hmm. know, getting notions, all this kind of negative, mm-hmm. a lot of negativity in my head still. Um, but always that kind of, the, the other part of me thinking like, 
you'll go back up to that area and you'll fall back in with that group and you're dead. It's gone. Yeah, that's it. It's gone. And the, that, that for me was always there and I stayed away from that area mm-hmm. and I stayed at Wilton, like went to the city centre. I was doing a bit of work on a sea scheme. I was in the gym six, seven days of the week. I was mm-hmm. going to NA meetings twice a day, hanging around with new people from mm-hmm. new areas, broadening my horizons. You know, the mm-hmm. best, I suppose the best thing about NA was the diversity of people in the groups. Yeah. You know, and yeah. even for just the social side of it alone, mm-hmm. you know, but with that, I did all the suggested things, as they say. You know, I got exactly, myself yeah. sponsor, done the 12 steps. I was doing therapy as well, through mm-hmm. cock lines, like what you were doing. Do you know, I was, I still had a lot of stuff. Do you know, there was, there's a lot of baggage there, like. At what point did education come into your life then? I, I remember when the two of us were doing the scheme together. Um, yeah. I, I was going, I was doing the St. John's course. And I remember you mentioned you were going to go on and do a course in psychology or something. Is that? Yeah, I was after playing for two health and fitness mm-hmm. courses in Nottmahini, level five. Mm-hmm. And in uh, Colossia Stefanefa, and I didn't get them. And I was like. It's a very kind of a cliche thing to do for somebody in early recovery to do yeah. health and fitness. Everybody does it. And I just thought, I'll do this too. But for whatever reason, I didn't get the courses. So I seen that as a sign. So then I was very unsure what I wanted to do. But I knew I wanted to do a trade or a degree or something. I wanted to do, I had long-term plans, you know. But I was unsure. And I was very close to doing a trade. Mm-hmm. You know, I was making inquiries in the hall. But I met Gillian then, my mm-hmm. wife now. And uh, we started dating. And uh, she had done a couple of courses, you know, and she was working in a, a charity that support travellers at the time. And she said, you could do the same courses I done. You'd be great at helping mm-hmm. people in addiction or young people or whatever. And I thought, you can actually do a course to do that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was a very novel idea for me. So I said, I will go for it. So I learned how to, I learned how to um, work a computer with a basic computer course. With a tutor, an ATB tutor down in Defy and Blackpool. Uh, he's since passed. His name is Paul. He was a lovely man. But he, he learned how to use a computer. Then I went to the College of Commerce and I done the psychology and social studies for a year. Um, I was the oldest in the class. Mm-hmm. You know, they were all after doing leave, yeah, leaving no feels, yeah. <laughs> um, But I loved it. You know, I started yeah. learning about psychology and sociology and social policy and I began to look then at my my own experiences and my neighbourhood kind of critically and began to understand mm-hmm. maybe why things are the way they are and maybe the issues that we have that I had in my life are the issues that we have in our area. Maybe they're not all our fault. Yeah. And maybe there's wider societal stuff happening that creates problems. And, you know, I did make bad choices as you did. Mm-hmm. But there's also bigger structural issues at play here that limits the choices we have or definitely impacts on our ability to have agency within within all that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? So I began to learn about all that. I enjoyed it. Then I went down to UCC and I done a three-year bachelor's degree in community work. Do you know, when you were learning about all these psychology courses and yeah. did that explain to you why you became addicted to drugs and alcohol and did it help you to kind of deal with a lot of the emotional and stuff that you were dealing with say your fear and the shame and guilt did did doing those courses help you to definitely understand and you know when you understand something then you don't say you know what that's why i'm like that so it's all right and you just kind of you move forward with it yeah like for example in psychology there 
does um, Eric Erickson. His stages of psychosocial development. And this is not a psychology podcast, so I won't yeah. get into it, right? But the, basically, in this stage between adolescence and young early adulthood, it's called role versus um, identity. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like a crisis where you have an identity, you're trying to find your role, like teenage years. I mean, who am I? What's my purpose? This type of thing. But I had adopted an identity in my teens that it didn't fit with who I was. Do you know what I mean? Like, I had adopted this identity of drug use or crime, negative behaviours that I didn't really want. I didn't really like that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really me, but I still had. And that was a crisis I had, you know. Yeah. But, like, in psychology, we started learning about this. I could identify when the, the, the teacher was taught, telling us about this, you know. I was thinking, fuck it, you know what? In my teens, like, I come into 15, 16, I didn't become an adult until I was 27, 28. Like an associate. I was stuck yeah. in that stage mm. where I was unhappy with who I was, but I, it was an identity that I couldn't let go of. And when I was eventually let, to let, go, let go of it and accept who I really was, I was able to move on to the next stage mm-hmm. then, which is an adulthood, let's say. Do you know, and even in philosophy then, I was reading about... Um, Nietzsche and again it's not a, an academic podcast so I won't get into it but it was about do you know when you're born you're you're born in he calls it the camel phase because we were born and as we go through early life we get humps on our backs which is like traditions and beliefs and all this stuff you know and when I was looking back I had all this stuff on my back of that limited me you mm-hmm. know like you can only have this kind of way of life you can't go to college get rid of all that and once you get rid of all that baggage then you've endless opportunities because I don't have to I don't have to take on board any of that shit just because I'm from up around here I can yeah. do what I want I can go to college I can drive a lovely car I can get married so it's about psychology sociology philosophy all that helps me to understand who I was yeah and I still do and you were able to retain all that information as well early recovery yeah, you know to understand it. You know. Yeah, no, definitely. You know because it was I was just so interested in it. Yeah, and I found college, you know, a brilliant process. You know, I enjoyed it. You know the the community work, especially the work experience aspect of mm-hmm. it. You know, the confidence building all the time. I was working with people in early recovery, mm-hmm. and it just felt so right for me to do that. You know, at the end of the three years degree, then. I was after winning an award for to be um, an excellent scholar. So I got to study a master's then for free. So I was doing the, um, the criminology. Yeah. And uh, it was one year full time. At this time, I was working in Cork Simon as well, and which was great. It was great to work in an organization where I was a service user a few years beforehand. I remember one of the first couple of days on the job, I was in the shelter, and one of the residents, one of the service users, came up to me and says, Fuck it, James. I thought you were doing well. He says, I'm working here, boy. Yeah, yeah. He thought he was after coming home this yeah, again. Yeah. And I bumped into my old key worker in the office one day as well. And it's like, oh, you know, it's yeah. something moments like that. I just kind of remind you that you've come a long way, you know. Yeah. That's and empowering. Like, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of flipping the script, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And um, the criminology masters then was, you know, brought up the level of work I was doing then was brought up, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so much support I got from the lecturers in there. Mm. I love the content of the class. You know, I got fantastic grades there. You know, I finished my first class honours. Mm. I remember my dissertation, I got 85%. Mm. And uh, my lecturer, you know, sent me an email. And he says, only two times in 10 years, somebody's gotten over 80. That's, and I was one. Yeah. I don't know. So I was so happy with that. 
come to the end of that, um, got a job in Cork ETB where I am now, mm-hmm. uh, youth services, you know, um, seems like a great fit for me as well, you know, to work in. Isn't it amazing, right? The first course you've done when you got out was an ATV course and yeah. you end up working there, you yeah. know. But it's, it, you know what it is to me as well? For a lot of people coming from prison that's trying to go straight mm-hmm. or coming from, in recovery that's trying to go get reintegrate, when they go into education or employment or something like that, or they're looking to do courses, they're nearly all ETV courses. Yeah. And so the plan now for me is going forward. I'm about to start the PhD in September. And it's looking at how people in recovery use education to reintegrate back into society. So let's say if I interviewed you, you tell me about how education was for you as a young person and how it was for you in recovery. Mm. What's working for you in the education system? What didn't work for you? And just about, I suppose, making Cork a better city for people in recovery, making education system better um to respond to people okay. suffering traumas and you know for people in recovery you know so that's like i come into recovery we said if i was six year plan around january there when i finished the masters started the new job it was like right i thought i'd achieved everything i wanted today you know what i mean i was married i had a nice car i was in a good job on a good team i was educated and it was like what's the next plan so then recently when i got the scholarship to do the phd that's my next six year plan now mm-hmm. uh, become integrated into my employment get my phd then i'd be looking at 40 coming mm-hmm. into 40s then and i'd come up with another plan but it's all about having a goal having a long-term goal yeah and having short-term goals along the way yeah the podcast is another great new endeavor for yeah. us yeah definitely uh, and we want to help people to know when i was on the tommy here on the show that time so much so many people contacted me looking for help and support and everything, you know. So this is the, our way of helping them. Yeah. It's our way of showing the community up here um, that we're positive people today. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's just, we've got great support from our local community. Do you know, if there was somebody really out there struggling right now, you know, and they're trying to get into recovery, yeah, what advice could you give them, Jens? Just go for it. Go for it. Just yeah. go for it. Don't be humming and hawing about it. Don't 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 get out of the fantasy mentality. Mm-hmm. The fantasy mentality is a pure characteristic of an addict. Oh, I'm going to do this, that, and the other, but never doing mm-hmm. anything. Get get rid of all that and mm-hmm. just get real. Just go for it. Make the phone call. You know we're contactable here if you don't know who to call. Mm-hmm. Contact the two mm-hmm. We know all the people. Mm-hmm. We can help and support you in whatever way you can. Yeah. You know, so make the call, just go for it. You can do it, you know, but you can't do it alone and you need support. What about people that are in recovery and they have that mentality that education is not for them or, you know what, I can't, no, I I can't do that at all. You know, education is not to be all and end all either. You know, as I said, I was very close to doing an apprenticeship, but have a long-term goal. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like if you're unhappy with your life, don't accept it. You know, don't don't settle for less than what you feel you're you're worth. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Don't settle for less than. Always strive for more. And if you have to take a hit in the short term to achieve a longer term goal, then go for it. Mm-hmm. But you know, but achieve your potential. You know, and 
And and if it is something that somebody wants to do, say for instance they want to do a course in a counselling course in drug addiction or psychology, what kind of routes would they need to take to if somebody wanted to get into that type of work really, I'd say the first stop would be the College of Commerce, Colossia Stefan Nefa, Saint John's, you know, do maybe level four or level five. Mm-hmm. I remember um around November, December there, I was actually around, sorry, February, March, I was actually teaching myself in the College of Commerce. I was teaching a beginner psychology class and that was a great class. It was great for me to be a teacher in a college where I was a student a few years ago, which is another moment where you're gauging your progress, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But like there was 22 people in the class and they were learning the basics of psychology. There was no exams, there was nothing. They get a certificate of attendance. But it was a nice, comfortable class to learn the basics. And if it sparks an interest, then there's another course, a level five, and then you can go on to university. But do little courses, do little tasters. Yeah. Do you know, try something new. What's the worst that can happen? Mm. You learn something new, you meet new people. What's the best that can happen? You find your niche and you get your mm. career out of it. Mm. You know? So, and I suppose what this podcast is about is to really show people that it's not the end of the world being an addict, you know, mm. particularly an addict in recovery. Like we can, we can really come back like yeah. from where we've been in our own lives to come back and to get into education and to get people into our lives that weren't in our lives when yeah. we were in addiction. Um, like if you're in, if you're in, and it doesn't even have to be addiction to me. Yeah. Like if you're at home and you're struggling with your mental health mm-hmm. or your weight or whatever, exactly, and you're, un- yeah. you're unhappy with it. Mm. doesn't have to be like that you mm. know you can get out of it and you can have a better life mm. but you most certainly will probably need support yeah you know? definitely and just it's, i know it's a hard yeah. thing to do for people to make the first step you know but hopefully people will find this helpful yeah and if they want any numbers they can look on our youtube channel you know? the links will be in the description people want support for everything and if if the link isn't there they can contact us directly yeah yeah, I suppose when when someone's suffering from depression or mental health, you know, um, you really feel like that there's there's no hope. Yeah, you know, um, that these are from my own experiences with it. Um, that you're no good. You know, you can't see any future. You know, um, and it's a really really painful time. You know, mm. but there are ways to get well. There are. Yeah. There are ways out there. Some ways will will work for some people, other ways will work for other people. Yeah. You know, it's just about finding and checking different ones. My route was the psychology. I went down psychotherapist, counselors, psychotherapists. Yeah, and I got to a place then where it was, um, you know what? No, I'm after learning all the terminology around these things, how everything works, and why I am the way I am. But I still feel like shit. Yeah. I still feel like I'm bad. I still feel like I'm this and that. You know? And that's... Just go back to my... Yeah. The second part of my... That's where medication meditation worked for me. Yeah. You know? It, something else might work for somebody else. But it's about checking and finding the thing that works for you, isn't yeah. it? Like, I tried... As I said, I was in treatment. I don't know. A lot of therapy up there. I came into NA and AA. Stayed around there for a couple of years. I felt like I kind of outgrew it or what I wanted to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but really I found my niche in education. And mm-hmm. as soon as I met my wife and, you know, I started the, the college route, that's where I felt I was at home. Mm-hmm. You know, I was at home learning. I was at home in the job I'm in, you know, and the team I'm on. It's just about finding your niche. But you have to do all other stuff in the meantime. Mm-hmm. And, like, if somebody comes into recovery and they go to God and they're living happy going to the church every day, that's more power to them. Yeah. If somebody's doing meditation and that's what works for them, great for them. Somebody's going to A, brilliant for them. There's loads of, there's many ways to skin a cat as they say. Yeah. And what works for you and me might, might work for somebody else and vice versa. Mm-hmm. But there is methods for support out there and try them all. Do you okay. know what I mean? Try them all until you find something that works for you. Before we finish up there, James, I just want to say this before we finish. And I'm sure there's other people out there that'll agree with me. Like seeing you on the Tommy Tiernan show, like going on there, anything could happen, yeah. you know. But you encouraged people like me, um, and I'm sure a lot of other people, like to to get up and say, okay, this is what happened to me. This is this is where I am. I'm trying to do my best by everybody, you know. Um, that took a lot of courage, yeah, for for you, and 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 you're after inspiring an awful lot of people. You know, yeah. by going on to that show, and I know that you got a lot of feedback, and it was all positive, and a lot of people um, wanted help and guidance, yeah. and hopefully they're getting the help and guidance that they can from this. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, like to... before you finish there, going on that Tommy Turner show was a very nerve wracking thing to yeah. do because, as everybody knows, that show is not scripted. He doesn't know who I am. He's no producer, and he's there. I don't know what question. It's my first time meeting yeah. him. He never met, never met. He thought I was a GA player. That's what he said to me. <laughs> so it could have gone anywhere. So yeah. with that, it's just about being yourself. Yeah. And thankfully, people accepted me for who I was. Yeah. And it's the genuineness that we're trying to bring to this podcast yeah. too. We're not trying to be anybody we're not. We're no. just James and Timmy. That's we're right. trying to help people. And you know, it's been people have been very supportive. So thanks. Right, James, thanks very much. It was a fantastic story. And... Um, I'm sure everybody else out there will yeah. thank you many. as well. So uh, this is the end of this part of the podcast. Um, so next week, we from the next few weeks, we'll have Katrina Toomey, Dr. Sharon Lambert, and we'll have... Who's our third guest? Sheila Conley. Sheila Conley. So we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you. Take care, lads. This episode is sponsored by local entrepreneur Danny O'Donovan of quickminutes.com. Quick Minutes is a specialized meeting management application that streamlines the administrative process in running a meeting. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.